So, guten Morgen. Ich heiße Herr Dr. Martin Luther. Oh, I'm sorry, I think I've forgotten. Maybe you don't speak this German that I speak, so we'll have to speak in English, yeah? Uh, good morning, that's right, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning, yes. My name is Dr. Martin Luther, and I've been invited here today to tell you a little bit something about myself, to tell you about a very important day, October the 31st, in the year 1517, but most of all, to tell you again of the great love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has for each and every one of you. As I said, my name is Dr. Martin Luther. I was born in the country of Germany, in the city of Eisleben, in the year 1483. And my birthday is November the 10th. And this is very good news because it means you all still have plenty of time to buy me a nice birthday present, eh? My parents were Hans and Margareta Luther. They worked very hard. My father Hans worked in the copper mines, and he made a little bit of money. Now, this is very important, not because I think that money is so important, but because it means I was given a chance that very few children would have in my day, I was able to go to school. I'll tell you a secret, though. Going to school for me was not very much fun. We learned mostly only the Latin language. And a teacher would walk around with a big stick and sometimes hit us with it. Do you know one day I, Martin Luther, was punished in the school? Do you want to know why? I was punished because I did not know a lesson that we had not studied yet. Now, I'll tell you something else that wasn't so much fun for me as a boy, and that was going to church. Maybe you're thinking, yes, I know, Father Martin, when I was a child, church was not very much fun. But you see, that's not what I mean. As a boy in the church, not once, not once, did I ever hear that Jesus loved me? All I ever heard is that he was a terrible, horrible judge who wanted to punish me for my sins. Now, when I was a boy in the school, the world was not standing still. One day, a man went to see the Queen of Spain, and she gave him some money to sail here to your new world. I think maybe you know his name. His name was Christopher Columbus, and he came here to the New World when I was nine years old. Well, after studying hard, I was given a chance that almost no one in my day would ever have. I was able to go to the university. I enrolled in the beautiful German university in the city of Erfurt, and there I would study the law. Now, this is very important. Remember, in my day, there was no 401k plan. In my days, there was no Social Security. It was simple. If you wanted a comfortable retirement, you should get your oldest child a good job. Eh? I think this is a good idea. As soon as your children finish university, you move in with them and they pay all your bills. Eh? Well, it was while I was at university, I made the most important discovery of my life. 
in the library. It was a great big book, and it was chained to a table so no one could ever take it away, and no one ever read it. But I began to read it. It was called in my language, the Heilige Schrift. I think in your language you say, the Holy Bible. As I began to read the pages of the Holy Bible for the first time, I met a Jesus who was so different than the Jesus of my boyhood. Is it possible that Jesus loves me and loves you too? Is it possible he came not to condemn, but to forgive? Is it possible he wants us with him in heaven forever? My friends saw me reading the Bible so often they put their money together and finally bought me my most treasured possession, my very own copy of the Bible. Now, one day at university, I decided it was time to go home and see Hans and Margareta. Maybe I took the laundry home for Margareta to wash, huh? By now, they're living in the German city of Mansfeld. It's about 40 miles away. And remember, I am a poor student. For me, there is no horse. There is no carriage. I must go to the foot. On the way back, something incredible happened. There was a great lightning storm, and lightning was striking to my left and striking to my right, and I fell on my face, and I prayed. I prayed to Saint Anne. I did not pray to Jesus because no one had ever told me I could pray directly to Jesus. I prayed, Saint Anne, get me out of this alive, and I will become a monk. Well, that's what happened. I got out of it alive, and when I returned to Erfurt, I did not go back to the university. Instead, I entered the black cloister of the Augustinians to be a monk. Do I need to tell you, this did not make my father Hans very pleased. There went his retirement plan. Father Hans, I said, I can do so much more for our family praying in the monastery than I could ever do reading in the university. And he looked me in the eye and said, oh yes, you wise and learned scholar, have you forgotten the scripture that says, honor your father and your mother? In the monastery, I worked very hard. I prayed very hard. I studied very hard, trying to answer one simple question. How could I, sinful Martin Luther, ever hope to please a holy God? One day, my supervisor von Staupitz said to me, Martin Luther, God is not angry with you. You are angry with God. You must spend more time in the Word. Dear friends, all these centuries later, I would say the same to you. In those times when life does not make sense, in those times when things are difficult, spend more time in the Word of God. In my case, I was sent to the German city of Wittenberg, to a brand new university. And there I would be a preacher in the castle church and a teacher of the Bible. I think some of you have been teachers, so you know. If you want to know something well, teach it. As I spent time teaching the scriptures, 
I came closer and closer to the most important discovery of my life, that we are not saved by anything we keep ourselves from doing or anything that we do. No, instead we're saved by the grace of God alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and this is revealed to us in the scriptures alone. Now, while I was teaching in the university, again, the world was not standing still. One day, the Spanish governor of Puerto Rico set sail for a new land. Even from the ocean's coast, he could see it was covered with beautiful flowers. And so he named this place La Florida. I think maybe you know this place, and maybe you remember his name, Juan Ponce de Leon. He came here to your beautiful Florida in the year 1513. Just four years later, the world and my life would change forever. Far away in the city of Rome, they wanted to build a great new church for St. Peter. The problem is big new churches cost a lot of money. I think maybe you know something about this, huh? But it was the way they wanted to raise the money that was so ridiculous. They sold pieces of paper. We call them indulgences. And they told the people if they would buy the indulgences, it could actually forgive their sins. I hope you hear how ridiculous this is. Yes, I am a teacher of the Bible, but first a pastor of God's people concerned about their souls. So on October the 31st in the year 1517, I walked out of the monastery with my favorite hammer in my hand, down the stony Kalignistrasse, finally to the door of the great castle church. And there on that door, I nailed a great piece of paper. On the paper, 95 statements. I think today you call them the 95 Theses. They basically ask one question. Is it right or is it wrong to pay money for the forgiveness of sins? Now, what happened next I couldn't have imagined. One of my students, pesky fellow, took my theses down, translated them into German, put them on one of Gutenberg's printing presses, and they went all over the empire. One even found its way to the desk of the Pope in Rome. What happened next? Well, people began to read my theses. Then they stopped buying the indulgences, and yes, the money stopped going into Rome, and I, Martin Luther, got in trouble. It was the year 1521. I was summoned to a great diet, a great congress in the German city of Worms. There I must stand before the most important princes and bishops and even the Holy Roman Emperor himself and defend myself. Only they did not let me defend myself. They asked me only two questions. Martin Luther, did you write these things? And question number two, will you take them back? Take them back? How could I take them back? Here was the truth of salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ alone. How could I take it back? But make no mistake, if I didn't take it back, my blood would flow. 
I begged them for time to consider my answer. Ungraciously, they gave me one day. But on the next day, I must come and stand again before the most important princes and bishops in the land and give an answer. I believe the answer I gave has become famous. I said, my conscience is bound to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Therefore, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. God help me. I don't know if you know what this means. As of this moment, I was a legal outlaw. My friends hurried me out of the city. And there, you're not going to believe it, in the woods, I was kidnapped. Some horsemen rode up beside me. They threw a hood on my head and put me on a horse, and we began to ride. And I began to pray to Jesus because I thought I was going to see him very, very soon. But as we rode on into the night, I began to wonder if maybe God was going to let me live. In the early hours, we clattered across the drawbridge high in the castle Wartburg. There I discovered what had happened. My faithful Prince Frederick told his soldiers, go, get Martin Luther, hide him somewhere where not even I know where he is. So when the emperor says, where's Martin Luther, I can say, I don't know. I stayed in the Wartburg almost alone for 10 months. I called it my Patmos. What could I do with my time? I took on the most important project of my life, to translate the New Testament of the scriptures, not from the Latin of my childhood, but from the original Greek into the German of my people. And my rule was this, let it be the language a mother uses when talking to her child. I, Martin Luther, translated all 27 books of the New Testament from Greek into German in just 11 weeks. I hear your pastors take the Greek into seminary. I'd like to see them do so well, huh? Finally, trouble in the church meant it was time to go back to Wittenberg, where I would live for the rest of my life. What should we work on? First of all, the worship of the church to focus us again on what Jesus Christ has done for us. The church, of course, also needed music for its day. I wrote many hymns. I heard you today sing two of my most famous. You sang them so beautifully. You see, this is also so important. Part of the heritage of the Reformation is congregations singing. When I was a boy, actually the singing in church was done by the cantors and by the choirs, and that was beautiful, but the people didn't sing at all. I, Martin Luther, knew the power of music, the power of singing. Singing can humble the proud. Singing can comfort the sad. Singing can encourage the distressed. The word of God carried by music into our hearts dwells in our lives forever. So I want to place a challenge before you. In every single worship service, make sure that you sing. It doesn't matter if you can sing opera or croak like a bullfrog. Who cares? Make a joyful noise to the Lord and share the good news of the gospel. One more thing I should tell you about, or I will be in trouble again. God sent me a wife. 
Her name was Katrina von Bora. She was a noblewoman who had been a nun. As the gospel was being rediscovered, she and some of her friends escaped their convent in the night. My friends, in those days, a nun leaving her convent without permission could be burned alive. So they hid in herring barrels, imagines a stench. Riding all night in carts with no shocks over cobblestones, they finally arrived in Wittenberg. One year later, we had found homes for all of them except for one. You guessed it, Katrina von Bora, and it turns out she had set her cap for me. I said, dear Katie, I am a legal outlaw. That's not a good beginning for a marriage and a family. And she patted me on my head, and soon after, we were married. <laughs> what can I tell you about my Katie? No, she was not a mild-mannered woman. She did have an opinion or two, and sometimes she would tell me what they were. God blessed Katie and me with six beautiful children. The oldest one, a boy, I named Hans after his grandfather. Why not? I took away his retirement plan. The least I could do was name a grandson after him. Do you know, I think my home was not so different from yours, maybe. One day I came home, you won't believe it. My son Hans was playing instead of doing his homework. Ah, the wise father says, my son Hans, have you finished your homework? Hans says, yes, father, I have studied the catechism. I know it by heart, I never need to study it again. And I said, isn't that strange, my son? For I am a doctor in the church, and I must study it every single day. Another day, I came home, and my youngest, the Paul, was crying and crying and crying and crying. And his mama, she had had enough. She shoved him in my arms, right, ladies, and said, you take him, he's your child too. Do you know what happens when the papa takes the baby? The baby stops crying. For some reason, this doesn't make the mama happy. I can tell on her face she still loves us both, but maybe we should just go away for a little while. So I take my son Paul in his cradle. We will be my study. He will sleep and I will work. It'll be wonderful except I realized I wasn't working at all, just looking at my beautiful baby boy sleeping in his cradle. And it reminded me of another beautiful baby boy who didn't even have a cradle, but only a manger. And on that day, I wrote my most famous Christmas hymn, From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. In this hymn, I asked my people, and I ask you to ponder the creator of all, sleeping in a manger stall. At the end of my life, people said to me, Father Martin, when you are gone, what shall we read? Without hesitation, I said, read the word of God. Never, ever let it go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm told today you have something in your pocket called a telephone. No idea what it is but I hear you can have the Bible on your telephone. No excuse not to read it every single day. Dear friends, my time with you is almost up. Just a few things I'd like you to remember. 
Remember again that we are not saved by anything we do or keep ourselves from doing. No, we are saved by the grace of God alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And this is revealed to us in the scriptures alone. The other thing I want you to remember, two very important dates. First of all, October the 31st, 1517, the beginning of the rediscovery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the second one, of course, is November the 10th. It is my birthday. And remember, you all still have plenty of time to buy me a nice birthday present. God bless you all.